Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Shooting the Ish with a Brit. I'm Jen. And I'm David. And we are under the banner of heaven. We are under oh, the banner well. of heaven. Are you sure you want to say that? <laughs> well, I, I mean, in the sense that we're talking about the show under the banner of heaven. Me personally, I don't think I'm under the banner of heaven. But, you know, that's just my that's just my perception. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, how you doing, Jen? Doing good. It's warmer in New York, oh. so that's nice. That and is I think nice. it's going to be consistently at least over 65. I don't think we are going to see any other days where it's less than 65. So I am very happy about that because this is wedding season. Okay. Uh-huh. And so next weekend, one of me and Ishmael's friends is getting married in Chicago. So we're going back to Chicago. And then a few days after that, I'm getting married. Wow. My my little Jen's growing up. (laughs) (laughs) I am growing up. I am. I I am graduating. I actually said that to uh, Ishmael. I said, this is a type of graduation. And he was like, I like how you said that. Um, (laughs) So yes, that's what's on my mind right now. Mm -hmm. I I can imagine um, Ishmael is just has a, a real sense of pride about him over the last few months kind of going into this it feels like that kind of guy who's just really Aww. proud about what he's about to get you know to, to kind of commit to and get into officially I mean obviously emotionally and mentally he's there and you're both there but to kind of you know to, to tie the knot with the the ceremony is or tie the bow with the ceremony is is significant for you both that's so funny you use the word proud I would say that too I would really say that too that's beautiful yeah. What's well, going that's on exciting. with you, sir? Well, me, I am, uh, I've got to go to, I'm still in Hawaii for another few weeks, um, but I've got to pop over to Los Angeles for work next week um, for, for a week. So I'm preparing for that. But we're also, because we're moving, I'm kind of, we're going through that, that motion of like, what can I take on this trip? What can we take on the next trip? How do we get our lives back from Hawaii to Los Angeles efficiently and cost effectively? Um, so um, that's my weekend, um, and, and then I'll probably throw in a good hike in there in, in the mix as well because you know me. Um, but the the one thing we're contending with here actually, so our, our house in Hawaii, um, we're in the middle of a jungle. It's summer, so it's rainy. It's rainy every day. Um, it's our, our, our house downstairs. We don't have windows. It's just screened in. We have we have some windows upstairs, but there's also some screens. And what that means is there's just we're getting mold. In, in a lot of places because of this is just so it's just moist all the time um and it kind of it affects us you know uh, our our systems right kind of breathing it in is not good for you and and then also like a lot of our stuff like is getting moldy um we you know i just i just packed up a couple of chairs and taking back and um even those like the legs and whatnot had mold on them and these are metal chairs so um it's pretty gross um, but we're, we're managing it. We're dealing with it, tightening everything up. And um, it, it feels like everything is uh, aligning that we should be getting out of this place now, right? And <laughs> it's the perfect time to get back to LA. Um, and then next time we come back, we know we'll be getting somewhere that's a bit more temperature uh, and, and humidity control. That's for sure. I think I heard chickens in the background. Oh, you definitely do. You know we have chickens here, right? I and do talk- know that. But to hear yeah. them is so funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're what are they around. doing? 
Well, right now, outside, we have Lucy and Michael. Um, Lucy was the mother that we helped <laughs> protect her babies. Um, and, and by the way, all, all, her and the babies, they're all named after Arrested Development characters for anyone that's watched that show. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, my girlfriend and I are both big fans. And, um, and, and notice, noticeably, all the, the chicks that you know she had and we named after the characters all somehow fit the personalities of the characters in the show, which is incredible. Um, but yeah, so Lucy is outside. She's she's a bit of a, a solo chicken again these days because after eight weeks of of bringing the chickens up and teaching them, you know, the way of life, she then scared them away and she's like, "Go off on your own now." And um, and and now the chicks are kind of also some of them are on their own. A couple of them we haven't seen in in, a, in about a month or so. Um, and then there's three of them that that kind of do still stick together. Um, one of them growing into a rooster, the other two being chickens. Um, so yeah, so we have those, and then we have a couple of other chickens that float around the the property as well. Um, but they're great, you know, they, they just kind of keep us entertained. But sometimes, <laughs> like right now, they can be very, very noisy. Yes, as I'm hearing, but I like yeah. it. It sets the vibe. You're clearly yeah. in a in a jungle environment, as you said. So yeah, you can probably hear the birds as well. No, can I? No, not really. Maybe not. No, yeah. but that, that's like the, the, the sounds here during daytime. It's just hundreds of birds around us and just beautiful sounds. And then at night, as soon as night hits, we get the cokey frogs and they are loud. Ooh. You know, there's loads of those, especially when it rains, they're really loud because, um, you know, that life giving rain here in Hawaii. Um, so it's, it's there's no quiet time. So I'm sure our transition to L.A. is going to be an interesting one just just based on that sound. Definitely. Because you're going to have yeah. a completely different soundscape when you get to L.A. So Exactly. Cool. Exactly. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get into it. I mean, I don't know about you, but this feels like one of the densest episodes to me. We're talking about episode four today, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And episode, episode five. Talking about episode five today. Um, episode the most four recent. today. Is it episode four? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wrong. Clearly. Episode four today. Um, it was dense. Um, I, I might kind of run through a list just to summarize it, all the big things that are going on, because it feels like there's a lot of tangents happening right now. Do, do you want me to do that? Let's do it. So, number one, the, the Pyrie, uh, they're, they're looking, at, they're out looking for Bishop Lowe, right? He's been on the list of like potential people that maybe the the Lafferty's murdered. Um, so they're looking for him, but he's nowhere to be seen. Although at the end of the episode, we do find he is alive. Dan is going down the rabbit hole. I mean, he was already pretty far down it anyway. He was kind of becoming a bit more extreme and, and a bit leaning towards fundamentalism. And then uh, his dad kind of slapped him around a bit again. Um, and, and there's a moment we think he's kind of going to bring him back towards, you know, the traditional Mormonism and, and kind of their version of the faith. Um, but in fact, it triggers him to go even further down the rabbit hole and he kind of goes more into the fundamentalism and really looks to learn and, and dive deep into um, the origins of it and the extre- extremities um, that they they, they had uh, at the early days of Mormonism and and obviously as we know the the offset now of the fundamental group. Um, Diana is moving further away from from Ron um, and interestingly we hardly kind of see her. It's more through um, other exposition that we learn that she's really moving in the opposite direction. Whereas Ron is being beaten down by the system and by Dan, who's manipulating him to no end and shaming him and confusing him and twisting him uh, to, to think more like him and also kind of framing it for him that he should be the leader. He should take control. And this is the reason why, and this is what they've got to do. Um, and then we have the, the introduction of the prophet kind of coming in and being like trying to shift Pyrie from his, his course at the moment, which is to, to find the, the answer to this, this murder mystery 
um, and and in turn shame the the Mormon Church, which is which is clearly the direction it's heading. And the prophet essentially asks him to let them go, and uh, and Pyre stands firm, and he's like, you know, he's choosing the law over his faith, uh, and which is something we've been building to, and and clearly uh, one of the biggest story point story arcs in the in the whole show for everyone. Um, we also have. Uh, a, a deeper dive into polyamory right which we talked about earlier on as the suspicion of ours is to kind of delve into that um and and in particular uh talking about how many wives certain people have including including joseph who originally had 33 wives um and then we're also having a couple of references to like 13 year old wives which is very specific and for me when anyone mentions uh a, you know a 13 year old wife like it's a big red flag like the, 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 this person is evil mm-hmm. or this or, or there's something, you know, that they're, they're in trouble, right? They're, they're having problems or they have problems mentally. So that's pretty scary stuff. Um, and then and then kind of going back to the, the, the second, the kind of the B story of the show, which is um, the origins of Mormonism and, and Joseph. And and uh, we get more of an insight into his his relationship with his wife, um, who uh, 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 kind of pushes back on his idea of polyamory. Um, and, and he actually calls him out in this episode for essentially lying and making up the crap of, of finding the book and the pages and transcribing them and God speaking through them and kind of calls him out on it and turns his words against him and his, his actions against him. And, uh, and his response is, I'm going to kill you if you don't follow along, which is, is pretty scary. Um, so this episode feels like it's really pummeling down on those negative aspects of Mormonism and, you know, the origins of the LDS faith. Um, and and the lies that that kind of built it um that, that's what it feels like to me like it's really heading in that direction okay yeah thank you for that and i think the name of the episode is also important um to note too which is church and state so this right. really focuses on or gets even deeper into this desire um to be anti-government you know anti-government mm-hmm. is used a lot throughout this episode specifically when it comes to taxes, but it goes to everything, right? Including police, including any government agent or agency. And I think you touched on something so powerful again last episode, which was that, um, and I always get their names mixed up, Ron and Dan. Which one is the the fundamentalist one? That's Dan. The blonde one is Dan. So you touched on how Dan, knowing how important it is to be a provider, and a property holder and the property including his wife right how important it is for a man a priesthood holder and a property owner to be able to provide for his family he's found himself facing a brick wall in doing so because he can't pay his taxes so then that becomes well this is against who i am as a heavenly being and therefore i am going to defy the laws of man, the governmental laws of man. And so for me, that becomes more of an ego thing. And so he's trying to use God, as we talked about, I think in the previous episode, trying to use God to say, without saying, my ego is more important in what I'm doing here. And I'm going to use my so-called faith in order to get other people in line, you know? So I felt like this episode, again, with it being titled Church and State, we really see that he wants there to be a separation. He wants to be able to be above the laws of man. And even in his own family, you know, they are 
his wife is completely confused, you know, as to what this is really about. I don't think she's been able to identify why he's so attracted now to fundamentalism. But as a viewer, it's an ego thing. It's an ego thing. He wants to try and satiate um, this desire to be, in his mind, the best kind of property holder or priesthood holder or man. So that's what I saw in this episode. So, so for me, I, ego is definitely a part of it, absolutely. Um, but I would say there's there's another real second huge part of Dan's mentality, which is fear. Right? He fears. He has no control. He, he he's he's losing his grip on on his life, um, what he's built, um, and 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 you know, and their future as a, as a result of it. Um, and and his actions to to counter that fear. Uh, and to kind of he succumbs to it and and uses it to to scare others into the same path as him and same scare into the same message and and kind of uh, direction he's heading and and you said and, and this is uh, to quote he wants to be above the law it's not that he wants to be he thinks he is above the law right he thinks he has the right uh, to be above the law because that's what that's you know because God's 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 law is is more powerful than than human law. Um, and, you know, as we've obviously, they've talked about several times this episode and it, it you know, it's using that excuse, right? It's, it's succumbing to the fear, succumbing to his ego. And then like Joseph kind of using God's name in vain, as, as I kind of put it last time as well, to, to, to justify their actions, which both of them, Dan and Joseph are both pretty, pretty grim. So to zero in on one particular part of this story um, Diana's letter, Diana's letter to the president of the church was so fascinating to me, especially because Jeb said something uh, that gave me an understanding as to how they view the president of their church. Jeb said something to the extent of if you write a letter to the president, it's um, similar to or maybe equal to writing a letter to Heavenly Father himself. Yep. And so in this letter, Diana um, is, you know, writing to the president about, um, these, these sort of anti-government, um, what's the word, these anti-government sentiments, anti-government positions. And so we end up finding out that she had some help from Brenda, which is the murdered lady, right? And so when this letter is presented to Brenda's husband, Alan, you know, he's in custody, as we know, he said, Brenda wrote this, like, I can hear her voice. In a flashback that we see, we see that Brenda is helping, right, um, Diana to write this, but Brenda probably did write all of it, you know, or had like a significant part in, in writing it. So that the tone is right. Um, and again, in this last episode, Brenda set herself up again in a very egotistical way to say that I think God has me in this situation to help people turn from their wicked ways. And now I have more of an understanding and clarity that Brenda did not agree with these anti-government stances either. And so now, <laughs> now we're saying too that um, Ron and Diana uh, may have been, you know, both beaten up on each other or maybe Ron's beaten on her. I mean, we only saw Ron kind of beating her up in this flashback in the uh, in the car. Um, 
but apparently he was mad, you know, at her. And now it has me thinking that possibly Ron had something to do with Brenda dying. Well, as you know, from the beginning, I, I thought that was the case anyway. That that dude is clearly, as we're seeing more and more, he is he is vulnerable, right? He he is he is weakened right now. He was he was on the top of his game. He was a very successful businessman um, and and a provider. Again, kind of, kind of goes back to that provider thing. But right now, the system and the the climate, the economical climate, is is pushing him back and pushing him down and and uh, kind of making him more vulnerable and uh, having to kind of pivot and try and and try and, and struggling to kind of stay afloat um, and which obviously we see when he enters and tries to get a loan from the bank again to kind of you know prop himself up one more time um, but instead of getting that support from the bank which is clearly a mormon bank um, he actually finds out that his wife is not is doing the opposite and not supporting him and kind of going against the family so it kind of doubling down for him and and then as we see thereafter dan dan you know sticks the knife in and turns it around a little bit right he really kind of plays on that those emotions and those fears again that ron has um and and they're all just vulnerable they're all just they're all just feeling they're just fearing this lack of control they have and and they, they're kind of scrambling to find ways to pull themselves out of it and kind of get a grasp again on on the reality of the situation um but to, to kind of touch on your the domestic violence element of it this is this is something especially in this episode and 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 on the broader sense of religion and using the excuse of religion to to do to perform certain actions that really just it's always i've always struggled with um throughout life quite honestly and it's and and for example the guy in the bank right you know when he lied originally to Pyrie when they were interviewing him and later he has he kind of admits under under pressure um that he was lying and and actually he had seen ron hit mm -hmm. um diana and um the simple fact is he was he was lying to protect the faith right to, to protect the image of the church um as opposed to protecting one of the church's members one of a person a, a vulnerable person you know a physically weaker person mm -hmm. and that's that's disgusting that is so horribly sad um and then again to kind of jump to you know doubling down on that message in this episode um dan no robin uh, Robin, who's been held in the jail for X amount of period of time, who, by the way, none of them have lawyers, which I still I find that interesting. Um, but he, he has he he kind of calls in his phone call, which he hasn't used to this point, and we don't know who he's called at the time. But later, the prophet turns up, the president of their church. And the prophet turns up, and Dan's clearly called him to try and invoke again the power of the church to persuade Pyrie to let them all go, to save the church the embarrassment, um, and shut this down now, and 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 to stop it escalating. But again, Pyrie doesn't succumb to that. Um, but but that's that's that kind of to me, it's a real great example of that disgusting uh, ambition of church. Like they, they can't possibly anything that taints the image of the church um, because otherwise it taints the whole thing. And and that's that's almost like the uh, I'm going to just use a very uh, current analogy in politics. Right. Madison Cawthorn in the Republican Party. That dude has been, you know, spiraling for a while now and, and getting it up to, to, to a lot of mischief. Um, and uh, in doing so, he, he kind of blurted out some some experiences he'd had with his colleagues in Congress. And and right afterwards, um, uh, or the, the few weeks following that, so, uh, things started coming out about him. Right. And, and the GOP, I'd subtly take or very blatantly 
taking him down and trying to like kind of dethrone him and and ruin his image because he's clearly a bad representation of the GOP for them. Um, and and the same reason uh, that Pyrie is with these with the the Mormons, right? He's kind of he's choosing state over church, right? He's choosing the law over God, and and that is not welcomed very well. And obviously, at the end of the episode, we kind of we get to the point where the church are kind of turning on him because of it, which as 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 an overall idea like that that they're kind of trying to cover up murders <laughs> to to protect the image of the church blows my mind it's sick and it just goes against everything i believe that religion stands for it's also in this episode that we hear the words under the banner of heaven for the first mm-hmm. time and so when dan do i have that right what is the blonde one's name Dan, yes. So when Dan is in the car with um, his wife, Matilda, you know, trying to get her to get on board with polygamy, he says, well, because the U.S. government has been whittling away our doctrines for over 100 years, but our church vowed that if man's laws ever conflicted with ours, that we would be ranged under the banner of heaven and against the government. He is really convinced that he does not, as you said, believe that he is under man's law whatsoever. He believes he is above it, as you said. And this got me thinking, as he's searching for these fundamentalists, he's really searching for answers that could grow his ego and could grow this belief of being anti-government. Don't we do that a lot as people sometimes? That whatever we believe we know about something, we can be faced with the opposite many, 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 many times over. And if we refuse to believe the truth, what's right in front of us, we'll go down a path like this man does, like Dan does, into destruction, basically into human physical destruction and even for him because he believes in God, spiritual destruction. And so it just really got me thinking, you know, how is it that people can go through life and refuse to believe the truth about certain things? And not just one time you're hearing it, but like several times over, 10 times over. (laughs) Um, And so it's it's fascinating to, to watch somebody chase this ghost of, and not even a ghost, because at least with a ghost, like there's this, um, there's this assumption that there was a being at first, right? So he's chasing this theory, because it's not a fact, this theory um, that he needs to be anti-government, right? Um, so yeah. I, I would say the one word I would sum that up in is he's trying to justify his actions. That that that's what he's that's what he's doing. I think in, in kind of going down that rabbit hole, like he has these beliefs, he has these desires. Again, it kind of goes back to that ego and fear, and and this is the way he sees out of this. Um, although I, I I still can't comprehend how he can see it as a legitimate way out. Like clearly, it's going to end badly. There's no way he's going to beat the the U.S. government in this situation, um, which which just blows my mind. But he's just trying to justify it, um, and yeah. and to kind of. Something else you kind of touched on as well, and I'm going to I'm going to paraphrase this and kind of butcher it. Um, but you were talking about 
um, you know, trying to persuade, trying to persuade people that a lie is a lie, right? There's a great saying along the lines of, you know, it's easier to persuade someone of a lie, you know, that a lie is true than it is to persuade them once they, once they believe that lie, that it's not true, right? It's easy to, it's easy to trick people into things. It's easy to manipulate people and then to try and persuade them out of it is, is a hundred times harder which is which is again is the, the parallels of this show actually and, and kind of the world at large right now especially in the us are just there's, there's so many um significant ones and and that's a great one like there's there's people just being being sold a lie um uh, which is what's happening in our society right now and and to kind of pull them out of it and to persuade them of the truth or otherwise is 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 almost impossible at this point and that is that is a terrifying thing and it really it's a really good uh example they've done really well uh, uh with the exposition of of kind of framing a person like that and, and watching them go down the rabbit hole and how they can fall into these traps so i want to present a lie that's a light lie okay mm-hmm. but then it's so colored with um just sort of a misunderstanding about things like there are things like that and then there are like completely blatant lies like hitler lies you know so I'm going to ask you a question. What color, because I just learned this, okay? <laughs> what color is the sky? As, I, as far as I understand it, it's transparent, isn't it? It's diaphanous. And it's like, a, it's a reflection of uh, the, the ocean that makes it look blue. Amen. A lot of people don't know that. I didn't know that. I thought that it was like a true blue, when in effect, it really, it's just, it's, it, the sky's whatever as you said whatever is being reflected it's a light so as we are turning right like however the light is sort of reflected that's what the um the sky is going to look like so right now it's actually overcast um i don't know if these are clouds or what i don't think they're clouds so now it's like white you know Mm -hmm. um but see like so then you know, as we're growing up and we're kids and we are developing our little minds, if somebody was to ask, you know, what color is the sky? Like we say, you know, it's blue, you know? And then when you get understanding that actually it's not blue, like it is not blue, that it's whatever color is being reflected or however the light's being reflected. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. So you can kind of say like, as we grew up, it was kind of a lie, but it was just more of a misunderstanding kind of thing. So you have that versus a Hitler lie right so his lie was one of his lies was um all um hebrew people specifically the jews need to be exterminated you know and like this is why and so he got so many people to believe this lie that it led into the action of murdering um a specific type of people you know he was on a rampage with you know disabled people and people of african descent as well but i'm just bringing that up you know so then is there a particular lie nowadays that you think people a majority of people could rally behind that could or has um turned into chaos I can give you the the best one that that's plaguing our planet and especially this country more than any lie in in recent history and that's the big lie that's that the election was stolen and the election was rigged right Trump's rhetoric about that even months before the election kind of setting it up and, and bolstering the lie even before he he officially said it or or, or kind of lent into it like th- th- it kind of goes back to that that 
what I was butchering the paraphrasing of earlier, like, you know, it's easier to persuade someone of a lie than it is to kind of bring them back the other way. And then that big lie, that manipulation from Trump and kind of his his steadfast ability to kind of stick to it and, and keep his supporters sticking to it has persuaded millions and millions and millions and millions of people in this country that the election was rigged and therefore it's destroying our faith in, in government, in, in, in the systems. And it's one of the most destructive lies that has ever broached this country's shores. And it's going to, it's going to, it's going to filter and continue to breathe uh, trouble um, and, and suffering for, for a long time to come. I hear you. I hear you. Then for somebody like Matilda, who is Ron or Dan, those names are too similar. What is his name? M- M- Matilda is Dan's, Dan's wife. Dan, the blonde man. I'm going to call him Correct. that. So for yeah. Matilda, Matilda, the wife of the blonde man, she's like, okay, he's presenting me with these fundamentalist ideas. I have no idea where this is coming from, what is going on. She seems at this point to not rock with it, right? And maybe for her, it's a lie right now. She could possibly be convinced later, but at least in this point, it's like a lie. How do you go on with a partner who has completely changed their fundamental beliefs? Because uh, because religion or spiritual belief, those are fundamental things that bring people together. Mm-hmm. What does she do now? You know, well, I guess we don't know, right, with the story as of yet. But but the one the one kind of pattern I'm seeing um, with with the way this story is evolving is that we don't really know what's happened to the wives, right? We kind of uh, at least at least not. Uh, I mean, um, uh, Sam's wife, the long haired one, is Sam, right? I mean, she obviously she was a big believer, um, like from the get go, and that was part of their controversy. Um, but Brenda, um, Diana, and um, Matilda like they're, they're all they don't come from the mormon faith right they've kind of well they, they've kind of been converted right they kind of like lent into it so um that that shift and change for them is is not what they signed up for so i can again i go back to fear right they're terrified that what they've committed their lives to isn't what isn't what they believed it was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and unfortunately because they signed up for this life um and they have agreed that they are property Okay, because we have to look at that, too. They Mm -hmm. agree. They knew what this was about. These men told them, look, when you get married to me, you are my property. They signed up for it, you know. So she is in this thing, clearly uncomfortable when we see her in the flashback. Um, But I am curious as to what she um, is going to do. And as you said, currently, Diana and Matilda are missing. Right. Um, So my guess with Matilda might be something may have sparked in her again. Brenda clearly was an influence on Diana, and I'm sure we're going to see how Brenda was an influence on Matilda and maybe thinking more critically, especially as a wife um, and not really, I don't know, really falling in line completely with being property, meaning something that is just to be, you know, used, you know. So going into back to the Diana and um, Matilda and obviously the Brenda influence that that's also been building up, right? We haven't really seen too much of them throughout it. We've just kind of been given hints and, and obviously very clear hints as to their opinions about what's, what's going on with the, with the guys. Um, but I feel like the next episode, the penultimate episode is really going to dive deeper into their storylines and, and, and kind of their actions throughout um, and, and really kind of as a, 
the Matilda in particular, like the reaction after Dan gets arrested and he's kind of spouting the polyamory stuff, especially when he's talking about 13 year old kids to marry. Um, and, and then as we know, Diana is obviously like, you know, moving further and further apart from, um, from Ron. And so, so Brenda is really going to like pummel down on the two of them and kind of double down, I'm sure, and trying to, to steer the family on the right track. But as we know, that clearly isn't isn't happening or doesn't happen and it doesn't end very well but i'm sure we're going to get that get more detail and more more information on their um on on how they deal with this or how they try and manage this this as you kind of alluded to this this contract they signed into and agreed to of being property and being dictated to and 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 um and having no control over their life um if their if their spouses deem otherwise um it's i mean terror again terrifying it just seems like uh just f- for the idea um of someone committing their life uh at, at someone's behest or someone's control it just it just that just breaks my heart honestly what what a waste of life yeah and then um something that we haven't touched on yet is brother Pyrrhus um sickness you know like he ends up retching after Mm. um one of the prophets comes um to the station um robert wagner um you know this man said you know to brother pyrie release the brothers into my my custody and pyrie was he stood his ground and he was like i can't do that like this is an active investigation and so afterward yeah he retches he didn't throw up i don't think for real it just was like like something in him wanted to vomit um and so what's interesting is like at first i kind of understood how this could be testing his faith but then i was like no i don't i don't understand that so I think there is an internal struggle in him, but now I'm like upset. I'm upset that this is affecting him. And I'm upset because, and I need some more answers. I don't think we really know how deep Brother Pyrie's faith is. I don't know how like new he is to this church, anything like that. But his faith sounds very childish to me because Anytime you're in a church, no matter what, like in the way that it's being presented that he's in right now, he should know that people are people, you know, and that people are going to disappoint because they're people. And the reason why they're all in church anyway is because they're all damaged. They all have issues. Everybody does, um, including him. And so when you're confronted with murderers, and I forget if this is like his first murder, you know, that was committed by Mormons or what, but um, him being this affected and this shaken actually has made me lose some respect for him as a, um, as a, as a, as a spiritual person. Now I'm looking at him more as a religious person that maybe his faith is more so in the physical church and the physical people and, and not God. Um, there's, there's a lot to unpack there, um, but I, I would kind of say that they, they they did a pretty good good job of setting up his faith, and, and as far as I understand it, and and his mum's obviously one of the the best conduits of this confirmation um, is he's been in this faith his whole life, right? So it's all he's ever known, and and from what I gather about the Mormon communities, right, and and is that 
everyone in that town is a Mormon, right? Everyone is part of that church system. So everyone knows everyone. And when anyone does anything, it's kind of, it, it, it affects everyone else, or at least everyone knows about it. And it reflects on everyone else as well. Um, so, so for me, I, I think it's actually all of the things that you, you kind of touched on, um, faith, religion, community, like all of those things he has, he has deep respect for, and he has, he has a belief in, and he, and he believes in being a good Mormon and a good, and a good person, um, and a good law officer. So all of those things right now, or at least up until this point when you didn't have murders and whatnot, um, uh, kind of, they never, they didn't conflict with each other too much. But in this scenario, as we kind of delving closer to the or heavily into the fundamental side of, of LDS, um, his, it's being challenged because what he understands to be the faith and, and how the community works um, his, his, his being, has been tainted. Like it's everything he's grown up with to believe is, is not the reality. And, and uh, one of the common phrases that keeps coming up actually is, you know, put your questions on the shelf. And that is that is as significant as it gets as far as an LDS uh, uh, kind of verbiage goes. Um, like, OK, you're inquisitive. You don't think this makes sense. Put it on the shelf. Ignore it and just get on with it. Just trust what we're telling you and do what we tell you and you'll be fine. Like that. That's that is again, that's that's terrifying. That's like that. That does feel um um it's propaganda right and it, it's like it's like this, this you just have to trust us you have to believe because you're part of this community in this faith this is how you do things so i think for him like the 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 there's, there's a few elements like conflicting with each other at this point and that's what's making him physically sick because he can't deal with it right that stress that pressure he's under um it, it's just not it's just not cool and it's just he's really struggling with it and that's also where i think his mum comes in uh, as a story device um and kind of you know uh just to like amplify that that uh belief in his faith and his son of um and and her in this episode she was she was talking about um jewish people not getting into heaven uh right for i can't remember exactly what reason she used but she was kind of alluding to that so you've also got it and and to him and to his wife they're like they're not they're obviously not good things to say they're obviously not true um that, that like vile things to say and he that he pushes against it um but but is that stuff she said when he was growing up well, was she more extreme right being an older person in the lds church and kind of had to to you know shift a bit her perception as she grew up and uh and you know and times changed or was just that's the way she was but either way he doesn't believe that stuff right and he's even kind of pushing against family with those those smaller elements and i'm, I'm saying smaller loosely because it's clearly not a small mentality um, but but it is, I guess, in this moment compared to a murder and and the prophet kind of trying to get him to release potential murder suspects. You know, that's a good point about um, putting things on the shelf. So then maybe him being shaken has more to do with like um, what he's seeing is like the practice of the church. So in this episode, it's revealed that um, Bascom, old dude at the uh, bank, or Lacante, is it Lacante Bascom? Bascom Lacante, that man at the bank, he lied, right? And so Brother Pyrie had to scold him 
and be like, look, like we're both Mormons, you know, better than that. You know, like, tell me what like really happened, like what's going on. So Brother Pyrie had to confront that. Brother Pyrie also had to confront this, you know, put your questions on the shelf, as you mentioned. Then he had that face off with Robert Wagner, you know, and having to stand his ground as a police officer versus a Mormon, uh, versus a Mormon, specifically an LDS Mormon. Mm -hmm. And so I think all those things are things that he's like never had to do. And as somebody who has questioned um, what preachers have said about God, it's a very uncomfortable thing. And it can take on like physical manifestations, you know, of vomiting or butterflies in your stomach or sweating or things like that, because it's a big deal. It's a big deal to now. It's very similar to, I don't know if you ever had this with your stepdad, but as a daughter um, growing up and becoming a teenager, there were some things that I had questions about, you know, when it, when it came to like my mom, you know what I mean? Or things going on in the family. And so there may have been instances where we butt heads on that. I know for men, it can be even more intense, you know, when a boy is growing into a man, there's sort of this rite of passage of, of the, of the boy or the son going head to head with his dad, even sometimes, you know, in fights, you know what I mean? Because there's this, this struggle. And so I feel like that's very similar to what brother Pyrie is going through. It's like, oh my goodness, like I'm, I'm growing in this area, you know what I mean? And it's an uncomfortable growth. Um, so yeah, so, so if anything that he's questioning, I wouldn't, I would hope that it's not his faith and it's more of the practice of the church but then I don't even think he separates those I think he believes as he said about Diana writing a letter to the president of the church he said that could be equal to writing it's a heavenly father when that in itself is very blasphemous you know so there is maybe no separation so now I can see and put two and two together as to why he would be shaken. But at the same time, even though he's been in the church since he's a baby, that doesn't mean that you really know what's going on. That doesn't really mean that you have a mature, mature faith about anything. Just because you, you've been there in the church, how are you walking? How are you talking? What are you doing? And so again, for him to be shaken, I see, I, you know, two and two together, like I get that. But at the same time, it's also like, bro like come on like yeah well uh, yeah i mean i agree i agree with all that it's all it's all so interesting. and it's like for him um to kind of just really cement that idea for him this is he's grown up in this church and this is the first moment he's ever pushed back that's what it feels like to me and it's not just incremental stuff he's not kind of always been inquisitive like, oh what about this what about that He's kind of, he's just followed along. He's just trusted yep. what he's been told. Yep. And right now it's as extreme and heavy as a contradiction as you're ever going to get. And he's that, so it's it, it just completely alien to him that, that everything he's believed and trusted is not necessarily what it presented itself to be. And that's got to be, you know, your whole life, your, your family are in this church, right? They're all kind of bound by this idea of this community and this religion. To then, to then, like that's a that's a real faith shaking moment. That's like, well, well, shit. What am I actually in? What is the realities of this? And that I, you know, I can imagine is just going to shake anyone's faith. And to use a really simple analogy for anyone who's not religious, you know, when when you're 
in, in a job, when you're growing up in your career and you have those first moments or even later moments when you're challenging your boss, you're like, I don't think this is the right way to do something. I don't think that's, that's you know, that's appropriate or whatever it might be. That, those sensations, that, that those butterflies, that kind of bubbling up of, of fear and, and adrenaline, right? That, that's like, that's scary in itself. Then, then kind of translate that to this giant religion that's, that's so uh, deliberate about the way they, they control their community and they dictate to their community to go up against that. I mean, it's got to be absolutely terrifying because the, the thing is, and we saw this at the end of the episode, because of his actions, because he pushed back against that, he became a pariah almost instantly. Like the family did, like by default, that they're, they're, they're being that you know they look the other Mormons are looking down their noses at them. They they've betrayed their faith. I think also it made me think about um, mm, the first time that I had uh, a head to head with my aunt, with my aunt who is um, a believer, a strong believer, a beautiful believer. And it's covered me in a lot of her, her prayers. And I love her so much, but she and I had a head to head and it was uncomfortable and it was about, um, and I'm going to share this, then we can move on to another part of the, of the episode, but it is profound because when, before I joined the Korean church, one of the things that they got me on that to this day, I believe in is the seventh day of the week. And so in the general Christian community, there's so many thoughts about <laughs> what day is the seventh day of the week. And it had never occurred to me that that I was that. Well, let me just say that I was going to church on the wrong day. OK, I'm going to use I'm, I'll use wrong right now, but it's very layered. OK, so then, you know, I asked my aunt, you know, what's the seventh? What's the seventh day of the week? Because the Bible talks about the seven day of the week and how it's important to um, not do work on the seven day of the week and to focus on the Lord, focus on God. So she would send me all these different scriptures about this, about about the non-importance, basically, in my opinion, and how it's okay to like go to church on Sunday, which is the first day of the week. And I'm like, uh, 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 you know, um, so. It's like, again, just because people in the church have their own understanding about one thing, that should not take you away from God. So even use the word faith, I'm confused about because faith in what? Faith, it's telling his faith in the church, testing his faith in God. What are we talking about here? Because for me, it didn't test my faith in God. It just tested my, it, it tested my, my, my um, belief that even teachers of the Bible um, because my aunt is a minister too, that even teachers of the Bible don't know everything. They really don't know everything. And so you're really just doing the best that you can. And so to this day, I do believe that the seventh day of the week is Saturday, that this is the Sabbath day. I do. There's, there's no change in my mind and it's just too clear. And that, um, there's a clear distinction too, because, Jesus rose on the first day of the week, which everybody recognizes a Sunday. So Sunday cannot be the same as the seventh day of the week. So anyway, I say that to say, I get where Brother Pyrie is coming from, but I think I need more clarity on what part of his faith is being tested. Faith in the teachers or faith in God or all of it, you know? So, yeah. I, I would maybe uh, a synonym maybe for faith, um, but, but maybe more appropriate is trust. Like, I think his trust is being tested. 
like everything that's he's trusted yes. up until this point yes. is that that's really what he's contending with right now like how, how can he, he trust anything he knows based on the information that's being presented to him in this moment excellent 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 word um okay so last thing i'll say and then we can move on to apartment 4e is okay the goofy cop i don't know what that po baby's name is but he know he real goof true oh my god um the goofy cop found bishop low you know at the end of the uh episode fishing i don't know what that man was doing but he was out there enjoying himself um and so yeah i mean that was you know basically the end of it um, I'd, you I'd, thoughts I'd, on that? Uh, well, firstly, I'd like to think that the reason um, he's fishing is is like a bit of a an in joke that he's the red herring, right? You know the the red herring idea that it's, yeah, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I quite I quite probably. like to think that, but I'm sure that's not what it is. Um, but yeah, that's that's an interesting one, right? Because there's this theory that there's this fear with Pyrie right now that that the other people on the list are all dead, right? That they've murdered them too. And Bishop Lowe is like, you know, one of the most significant of those on the list, or at least the most important in the community. And, you know, so he's kind of desperately trying to find him. And in fact, he's just been up there on the, you know, out there fishing is an interesting one. But where that's going, I don't know. But clearly, clearly there is some, there, there, you know, there's obviously, it's obviously building to something, otherwise they wouldn't have shown it, especially as the last thing in that episode. Um, it's clearly gonna gonna dive into it next episode, and but the the, the young cop is a funny one because he hasn't. I think he's shown up in the background a couple of times, um, and uh, and then you yeah, had the two scenes with him in this episode. Really, one of them, which is when uh, that like Pyrie's like, you know, go go and you know find out information, talk to people, and he's like, who do I talk to? <laughs> right. Where do I go? <laughs> like, this kid's got no idea what's going on. Zero. Um, he was taking notes and everything, which was cute, but also real goof true. Yeah. Yeah, massively. So um, interesting character, but also just kind of come out of the woodwork um, for this episode and, and really the, you know, the device to find Bishop Lowe and, and kind of hopefully tie up that, that um, piece of the puzzle and get some more information. And maybe he knows where Dan and Ron are and Diana and Matilda, um, you know, we'll see. Who knows? We'll see. Oh, and then last but not least, Detective Tabo was again useless. Okay, now yeah. we can we can move on. Um, so <laughs> so uh we're at apartment four E. What do you want to put on in that thing? Well, actually, uh, just on the note about the other detective, the one the one interesting uh, thing which I was I noticed very clearly is when they are like going through the house. There's this, this you know creepy house. It's been clearly been ransacked for some reason. They're like, oh, it's it's super moody and, and kind of a bit more horror element to it, and that's early on, I think. And and the thing that the biggest jump moment is when they think there's a person right there, but it's actually just a statue of an indigenous American, like a you know kind of a cliche indigenous American. Um, statue um, which makes them jump and uh, it maybe that's tied maybe there's something there I don't know but it's they're, they're kind of like creating this this idea of the fear of in the Mormon community at least the subtle messaging to me of of anyone that's not Mormon right anyone that's not white and looks like them and practices the same faith okay okay so maybe maybe not um but apartment 4e um for me this week I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in I'm gonna put Sam Worthington's acting in I, I just I, I've never really been too sure about him as an actor and and this this and maybe it's partly the editing and directing I don't know but the way they're jumping around and his character I just I, I can't believe him I do not believe him as it, as this character at all you know what you're on to something because the last thing I saw him in was The Shack um mm. The Shack was a good movie it was it's a spiritual movie um 
And he was all right. He was all right. I don't remember the first time I've seen him. I feel like maybe it was an action movie. I don't know. But I do agree with you. Oh, duh. There we go. (laughs) Duh. One of the biggest movies ever. Um, Yeah, I would agree with you there. What a shame. Yeah. What What about you? Um, I am going to. hmm, What am I going to put in there? I would like to put in there this idea of like putting your what is it on the shelf your thoughts your questions your questions your questions on the shelf Mm -hmm. this is a big one because this is regarding everything putting your questions on the shelf this is what annoyed me and this is what um okay so when I was in the Korean church too oh my god this brings up so many memories so they would do that with us too when it comes to certain things um so what they would say is they would be like oh you'll learn about that later you know, you'll learn about that later. And then later never came. So mm. that definitely needs to go in apartment 40. Because here's the thing, okay? Parishioners, people who go to church every now and then, believers, casual believers, whatever. We're not expecting teachers to know everything. We're really not. So then if a minister, a teacher, evangelist, whatever, is confronted with a question, I feel like a lot of them get flustered, like as if the question is going to like, like, like completely um, dissipate their belief in God. I wish more teachers would just say, you know what? I never thought of that. I don't know. I'll try and find out. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, it will not scare somebody like it will not. But then when you say things like put your questions on the shelf, that does not bode well for people. And then you have people like Brother Pyree, you know, who gets so shaken, you know what I mean? When they're confronted um, with having to like do their job as a physical human being on this earth. Um, but then, you know, having to like uh, sort of, um, what's the word? Not go against, but like, you know, just kind of put your foot down about certain things that your church is wanting you to do, like that won't be such a big deal. Um, so yeah, I want to put that in apartment for you. Uh, I, I agree with that. And it, actually, to use another analogy for that, it's the same as when kids ask their parents questions and their parents get flustered. And Right. You know, <laughs> it's, it's the same principle. It's like, yeah, okay, I don't know the answer. That's not, there's nothing wrong with that. We, we can't, we can't know everything. And we certainly don't know nearly everything we know actually as an individual, we know minimal about the world. That's the reality. Right. Or even saying things like, that's not important. No, like, no, don't say that. Like, Mm -hmm. everybody wants their questions to be validated. And again, those kind of answers come from somebody who is not um, adult enough to just say, I don't know. Either I don't know, I can find out, or I don't know, I encourage you to find out. You know what I mean? Or whatever. But yeah, it's an it's an insecurity. Oh, complete. Oh, completely. And there's fear wrapped around it, as you talked about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, it's it's great. I mean, this show, but just to summarize in general, like I'm not sure if it is a good show or a bad show. Um, I'm kind of I'm not quite fully decided yet. Like I I, I, if I, I think if I wasn't if we weren't doing this, I may not have been so keen to, you know, I wouldn't have been waiting every week to watch it. Yeah, same here. Yeah. So um, anyway, all right. Well, it's been, but still, this has been interesting. And, and what, one of the reasons I do love talking about this is because it's, it's clearly about so many bigger subjects than just this show. 
um, which which for us to talk about, I think is wonderful. And I'm certainly taking a lot away from it. So I look forward to the next one. Ditto, episode five coming up. But in the meantime, make sure you continue to listen to us on all podcast platforms. Follow us on social media. Our Twitter is Ish with a Brit. Our website is ishwithabrit.com. And our Instagram is shooting the ish with a Brit. So drop us a line. Let us know if you're watching under the banner of heaven. If you agree with what we are talking about. If you don't agree with what we're talking about. And if any Mormons or specifically LDS or FLDS people are listening, drop us a note as well. If, if, you, if you have any questions, put them on the shelf. We're not interested. I like that. Very good. Very good. <laughs> All right. You have a wonderful weekend <laughs> and um, and we'll talk next week. You too. Until next time. Okay. Bye.